Hello everyone and welcome to The Bleeding Effect, a podcast where we venture back in time through Assassin's Creed history. Lean back into the animus and join us. I'm your host, Jarrett. And I'm Tiffany. Okay, and we're back with another episode. This one is going to be about the Templar agents and the Templar layers. So we're going to do a brief recap of the last episode, which covered... What was it covering again? I'm drawing a blank, but I know that... Copernicus? The Copernicus missions, yes. Okay, so you have the recap. Okay, Uh, so in the last episode, we discussed the Copernicus missions, which are a separate DLC. Um, For this one, we find the scholar Copernicus and protect him from the Borgia guards who want to take him out, as well as any other scholars who are saying anything that the church doesn't agree with or the Borgia don't agree with. Um, this takes place around 1501. Um, once we get Copernicus to a safe house, uh, he receives letters, or sorry, he gives Ezio letters to deliver to other scholars to save them. And of course, you have a limited time to save and deliver the letters to these other scholars. Um, after the letters are delivered, uh, Copernicus sends Ezio after the master of the sacred palace, um, which he sneaks into the residence and overhears the master discussing his plan to murder all of the scholars um, and after getting rid of all the mercenaries you are assigned to kill the master of the sacred palace. The death scene reveals that more attackers are headed for Copernicus who you end up having to chase after again and save again before you complete the DLC. Right. <clears throat> okay. So now going straight into it um, we're on episode 16. Uh, I titled this one well I haven't come up with the title yet but We're starting on the Templar agents. Okay, so spread across the map of Rome are nine different Templar agents who are all terrorizing the populace, just as Desmond has entered his animus to relieve, retrieve, relive the memories of Ezio Auditore. Uh, Abstergo has sent special agents in as spies to relive the lives of these Templar agents. Find and el- find and eliminate them. Okay, yeah. Okay, so that basically, <coughs> and that basically sums it up. Just wanted to add in there that the uh, Templar spies that you're eliminating are also like playable characters in the multiplayer setting of the game. So the nine uh, Templar agents are also featured in the multiplayer mission. Those nine plus um, a few more, but. You're going to get the backstories and the uh, details on the missions that uh, pertain to them in this guide here. All right, so um, let's start with three of the nine have already been eliminated. Um, They were kind of in the different missions that Ezio had to undertake while he was in Rome. The first one, Il Carnifice, the butcher, um, who was an executioner. he was taken out like in I guess mission one. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna list that here later. Sorry. Okay, yeah, the three of them were Il, Il Carnifice, the butcher executioner, um, Malfato, the doctor, um, and Silvestro Sabatini, the slaver. And here are their database entries by Sean Hastings that I didn't get to cover yet. So for Il, Il Carnifice. Uh, his role as executioner, his date of birth was 1473, and his profession, executioner. I guess I stated that twice. <laughs> okay. Executioner, executioner. 
Yep. In, ca in case anyone wasn't clear, he's the executioner. There's nothing in the history books about Il Carnefice, so I did a little digging. This is a quote from Sean Hastings. In Abstergo's mainframe, here's what I found out. A natural ally for the Borgia, Il Carnefice kills to the roar of an approving crowd. The other small piece of information I could dig up is that he fancies himself some sort of a twisted artist. I guess that explains the crowd bit. I wonder if he does tricks while performing executions, or whether it's all in the subtle way he pulls the lever. Um, he is killed in sequence to A Wilderness of Tigers, um, the mission called Well Executed. That's one where the guy's wife was... Um, I think he said defiled and hung by um, her as an example, hung by him as an example in like the town square, and Ezio tells him to cut down his wife, and then he goes and kills Carnefice. Jeez, that's dark. That you don't remember that? That was yeah. Yeah. It's been a while, but yes. <laughs> okay, then there's Malfato, um, date of birth unknown, profession doctor. Abstergo's database says. Ravaging the poor districts of Rome, Malfato preys on those unfortunate enough to be caught unaware. The only data I could find outside of that was a report of a masked doctor in 1502 seen lurking outside of the Rosa and Fiore. This guy seems like really bad news, and I've read a lot of bad news lately. Um, killed in sequence um, 4, Den of Thieves. Um, the mission is called Serial Offender. So in that one, he was kind of like the Jack the Ripper of Italy, where he was like cutting down prostitutes and um, they all kind of pointed the way to him and he used your first recruits to tackle him to the ground. And then there's Silvestro Sabatini, uh, date of birth uh, 1472, and his profession uh, says noble, but his role was uh, the slaver. So, um, a member of the Sabatini family and a cousin to Raphael's student, Andrea Sabatini, Silvestro worked for the Borgia in return for an elevation of his status. After, quote, failing Cesare, records do not indicate how he failed him exactly. There is simply the mention that Silvestro cocked up. Micheletto removed Silvestro's left forearm. So that's why he had like a claw thing. And he was killed in sequence four, Den of Thieves, mission called Human Cargo. That's the one where like Ezio spots a little boy crying on the docks and he says that his mother and father were taken away by Silvestro Sabatini. And when he tracks them down, he finds that he has like a whole bunch of slaves ready for uh, export. And that his girlfriend and him are getting into some kind of conflict and like what what made him come to this, you know, and everything. And he says that he has to do what Cesare says. And she asks if he did that to um, his hand. And he just kind of gets enraged by her asking that. Um, so that's the first three targets that were eliminated. We have six more to go. Templar agents continued. Now that the first three were previously taken out, we need to eliminate the remaining six. The fourth target, depending on which order you choose, is Lons, the thief. Um, database entry for Lons, date of birth 1480, profession thief. Okay, so and here's the database entry. 
I found a brief mention of a thief in Rome called Lons, who seems to be connected to a variety of domestic disturbances. According to Abstergo's files, Lons ran with the Cento Oki King, which means the Hundred Eyes. I would assume that's a metaphor, but watch out. Okay. A corny sense of humor. Um, yeah, the Thousand Eyes were mentioned um, by uh, Lavol Bay as a rival thieves' guild mm-hmm. when you were in like the horror district. Okay. So the mission start point for Lanz is located in the southwestern portion of the Central District, aka the poorest district, and it is directly north of the Tiber River that separates it from the Antico District and the southwest of and southwest of the Assassin's Tiber Island hideout. So that's its direct kind of location. Look for and approach a young woman standing on the edge of the roof. Edzio says to her, Careful, I have fallen from my share of rooftops. He approaches uh, her from behind as he's walking up on the roof, like, carefully, so she doesn't startle and fall. And the woman says, I am waiting for my lands. Uh, Edzio asks her, Up here? And the woman says, He left me after our baby died. Joined up with the Cento Oki gang. They say he kills now, pushes men from buildings. I tell them I don't believe it. And Ezio says, but you do. And she agrees, I do. Um, Ezio asks her, what will you say to him when if he comes? And the woman says, I will jump. And he asks her, why should you pay for his crimes? And the woman says, my death will remind him of the man he once was. And now we get a mission entry called Down to Earth. Lanz is often seen wandering the nearby rooftops. Locate and kill him. For full sync, kill your target with the hidden blade. Ezio says to her, he does not deserve your sacrifice. Where is Lanz? The woman says, up here somewhere. Ezio says to her, he will trouble you no more, Madonna. Follow the rooftops to the northwest towards the green indicator on the mini-map, and once you've reached the highlighted region, use Eagle Vision to pinpoint Lanz. He'll be highlit in gold, as all targets are. Uh, Once he sees you, he will bolt to the ground, uh, chase him around the immediate area, and assassinate him with your hidden blade. Instead of getting a deathbed confessional, Ezio simply rests him on the floor of the memory corridor, saying, Requiescat in pace. The same goes for all of the Templar agents. They have no explanations or final insults to give. Fair enough. Um, and yeah, uh, when I was talking to people who are in the Assassin, I think Gustav, yeah, uh, our buddy Gustav, I've been featured on his uh, podcast. His name, the, his gamer name, he goes by his Garbudon. Um, his podcast is called Memory Corridor, and when I looked up Memory Corridor, that is the actual name for those deathbed confessional sequence areas when you just kind of like sucked into like an animus vacuum and uh, there's no surrounding NPCs, it's just you and the target kind of like paused there for a moment. That's that's the Memory Corridor. Okay, so next target moving on. 
The fifth Templar agent is Augustine Oberlin, the blacksmith. Database entry, Augustine Oberlin, date of birth, 1468, profession blacksmith. Sean says, I found a small nugget of history about this one. He was a Swiss mercenary who survived several battles while in the employ of the Borgia before retiring to his own business. Here's what Abstergo says in their records. August Oberlin spreads Borgia propaganda, often making his point with the head of his hammer. Best to avoid that hammer. Okay. The mission start point for Augustine is just east of the Terme di Dioclenzio and just north of the Aqua Marcia aqueduct. Look for a small house where there is a battered woman sitting on the bench in front of and by her front door. Um, Ezio says to her, Madonna, holding out his hand, and the woman recoils from his hand. She says, Don't. Hasn't he hurt me enough? And Ezio says to her, I will not touch you. What happened here? The woman says, August, my beloved husband, sarcastically. He believes he owns this neighborhood. Ezio says to her, The Borgia have given it to him. And she replies, he once made signs for the shops in the district, but now he posts lies for the Borgia and hurts those who stand in his way. Ezio says, like you, and she turns away, her, she turns her face away as it's bruised. Um, Ezio asks her, where is he? And the woman says, he spends his days locked in his workshop, but I may know how to get him out. Uh, and the mission that you get is called counter propaganda. Lure August Oberlin from his workshop by tearing down his propaganda. Locate and kill him. For full sync, kill your target with the hidden blade. Ezio asks her how, and the woman says, tear down the signs he has posted throughout the district. His pride won't stand for it. Ezio says, grazie, and he leaves. Um, so head north of her house into the neighboring village and locate the five Borgia posters via the blue indicators. They look the same as a wanted poster of Ezio that pops up when your notoriety spikes, except for these posters brandish the red Borgia bowl emblem instead of Ezio's face. Use the interact button to tear them down, the same as you would with any poster. One of the posters is protected by two Borgia guards you have to kill first. That poster is at the Porta Flaminia gate at the town's edge. I do have the Porta Flaminia. Let me set it up. For the Porta Flamina, Flaminia? Flaminia. Flaminia. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in, and I also have in quotes Porta del Popolo. Um, this is a Roman gateway that is located inside the Aurelian walls around the city. So. I don't know if people recall, but like many episodes ago, uh, I was discussing how ancient Rome, when the city was first built, it really didn't have much of a gate to protect potential attackers from invading the city. But later on, once attacks on the city of Rome became much more potential and common, they did actually build walls. And one of them is the Aurelian walls. The Porta Flaminia is a gateway that will lead through the walls. The walls were originally built in the 270s AD, and they were brick-faced concrete. They actually still stand today and function as a, and they functioned as a tactical defense, 
until they were breached in 1870. So they did a pretty good job. <laughs> they lasted for, what is it? 1,600, yeah. Um, while the walls still stand, there's obviously been different updates and aesthetic changes to both them and the gateways that lead in and out of the city. But yeah. Cool. And next one I have is the Porta Peninsula, but I don't know if you mentioned yeah. that yet. Um, well, I have them both here, like, side by side, because they're apparently, like, in the same location. Like, the area with the posters is all yeah. in that area. So I have, like, both. Um, I'll just read off the database entry for what you just read okay. there. Um, so what Sean Hastings says about the Porta Flaminia. This gate was originally the starting point for the Via Flaminia leading to Arminum. That's how it's spelled, Arminum making it the most important road to north of Rome. It eventually became the Porta del Popolo, granting access to the famous Piazza del Popolo. Mm -hmm. Along the wall, we come ac across yet another poster near a gate, and that's where it's the Porta uh, Pensiana. The Porta Pensiana, uh, just a small entry. It's a small service gate that was inside the Aurelian Wall. It was modified and renamed in the 5th century. So what I mean by like using a terminology that this is a service gate as compared to the other one is the Flaminia is a full-size gate. It's really wide. A lot of people can get through it at a time. Mm -hmm. But the Peninsia is a service gate, so it's much more narrow. It's only meant for like small groups and maybe a small cart to get through. And the reason why it's important is, again, because this is a tactical defense wall. Mm -hmm. So... You don't always want the big gates to be openable, but the service gate you usually needs to be able to use to get in and out. Right. Okay, so the database entry they have for that one is built in the early 5th century by Honorius, uh, who, adopted, who adapted a previously existing service entrance. This gate marked the start of the Via Solaria. A legend during the Middle Ages claimed that Roman general Belisarius, who defended Rome against the Ostrogoths, was seen here as a blind beggar, blinded beggar. Emperor Justinian, when questioned about his involvement in the blinding, denied it, then abruptly began talking about rebuilding the Hagia Sophia. <coughs> so, that's what Sean has to say about that. Um, so the... Da -da -da. The Via Salaria, that is an ancient Roman road that used to connect the city via the Porta Peninsia. The name Salaria means salt, as this route was used by the Sabines to transport salt. That was the word I was looking for. Okay. I knew it had to do with one of those gates and roads. Um, Belisarius is Flavius Belisarius. He's from 500 to 565 CE. He was a military commander in the Byzantine Empire. He was sent by Emperor Justinian. Um, and is known for reclaiming much of Western of the Western Roman Empire. His victories made him extremely popular, which Justinian took as a personal threat, and removed his titles and position, which ended up actually being later restored under the assistance of his wife Theodora uh, around 1535 to, f or sorry, not 15, 535 to 554. Um, the Ostrogoths are a Germanic people um, whose groups. Uh, are referred to as Goths by the Romans. The Ostrogoths had their own culture distinct to the other groups, so what separates them from the Visigoths? Um, originally, they're from northeast 
northeast of Europe, the Ostrogoths defeated Odacher for control of Italy in 488. Um, the Ostrogoth king, Theodoric the Great, was their leader. Sorry, they defeated him in 493. At the time, the Ostrogoths had the full backing and approval of Sino, then the Eastern Emperor, to take the peninsula. But of course, the Romans, who have relocated to the Byzantine Empire, will change their mind later on under Emperor Justinian. So I, I just kind of skipped through a lot of history there. So after the fall of ancient Rome, it's known that the main... What used to be the center of Rome, or sorry, the center of the Roman Empire used to be Rome. When it falls, the city of Rome, the center of the empire shifts over to Constantinople, and that becomes the Byzantine Empire. The Byzantine Empire always see themselves as being true Romans, so there's many attempts to reclaim the city of Rome, um, but of course it wasn't really successful until Emperor Justinian under Belisarius. Um, so... Emperor Justinian, he is the Byzantine Emperor from 527 to 565. After the fall of the ancient Roman Empire, the main center of the Roman Empire, oh, here's that again, uh, moved, to, moved to the east into Constantinople. Justinian, like other Byzantine leaders before him, wished to restore the western side of the empire by reclaiming the previously held western territories and North Africa. Um, Justinian himself did not have a normal trajectory to become emperor. He actually came from a poor family. And through family connections, his uncle Justin and the Imperial Guard uh, commander uh, and his career path moving to Constantinople and becoming a bodyguard to the prior emperor Anastasius, Justinian did a lot for the Byzantine Empire and brought it into a new era artistically, financially, and in expansion. So he was elected into his position as emperor. He wasn't, like, born into it. Okay. da da, -da. But yes, and then Justinian is the one who sends Belisarius. Belisarius becomes too popular, so allegedly he has him blinded and is left poor in the city. But actually, he that didn't happen. He actually gets recalled to Constantinople, um, but has a lower. He loses his title initially, but then he gets it back because Theodora and all that jazz. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> okay, that's a little bit on the Byzantine Empire. Yeah. A little bit of jumping around there. Sure, we'll revisit it sometime. Um, finish with the other posters, and when you do, August uh, will come running, uh, saying, "Who's been tearing down my signs?" You know, like the giant when the beanstalk. Fifi-fo-fum. Yeah. <laughs> I want him dead. <laughs> kill his company of guards any way you can, and finally kill him with the hidden blade. Another requiescent pache. Uh, to send him on his way. Now on to the sixth Templar agent. Uh, Brother Restorio, the priest. Uh, the database entry for Restorio, Brother Restorio, date of birth 1465, profession priest, <laughs> a brother of the Order of the Minims. Court records show he murdered other members of his order who brought his corrupt practices into question. Abstergo's server says uh, Brother Restoro vowed a life of piety and poverty, but practiced neither. A paranoid, dangerous man. Uh, you know visiting a priest like that might make confession a lot more interesting. Okay, and that's end quote. Uh, 
I believe you have the info on the Order of the Minims. Yes. So the Order of the Minims, it's a Roman Catholic order that was founded by St. Francis of Paola, not to be confused with St. Francis of Assisi. Um, in 1435, they're known for being really humble and religious, of course, and they abstain from basically everything, including meat and dairy, unless medically necessary. Mm. Um, they live with the minimum of the minimum needs for survival, and the order consists of male friars, female nuns, and also non-church people who simply wish to follow the lifestyle of basically being super humble and like not wearing shoes and mm-hmm. not eating meat. Super, you know, party people. Yeah. Do you say party or priority people? Party people. Okay. <laughs> I would say it Hobbit does sound like people. they have their, like, priorities. <laughs> to um, not eat, yes. Yeah. Near the south side of the Colosseo, there is a monk slash town crier, one of the menems, I believe, delivering his announcements about Brother Restoro. The monk says, Give... And it shall be given to you. For whatever measure you deal out to others, it will be dealt to you in return. These are the insightful words, words to live by. Yet Brother Restoro spits at them. Deus omina videt. God sees everything. Ezio approaches the monk after his speech. Ezio says, how were these men killed? Oh, um, yeah, that's a, that's a jump. Okay, so what he's talking about, like, these men killed. So the monk delivering a speech is standing in front of, like, a gallows where there are a bunch of hanging minims, uh, like his other brothers, who were killed. And when Ezio asked him how they were killed, the monk says, they questioned Brother Restoro's habits and... Oh, no, okay, it's not a gallows, they're not hanging. I can't picture the scene right now, but he just says they were poisoned, which leads me to think there's just a stack of them, like, laid out, or he just kind of brought their bodies and, like, threw them out for everybody to see and to deliver more fervor to his speech. Uh, Ezio says, you question him as well. Why do you not fear his wrath? The monk says, a man with nothing fears nothing. I have remained true to my vows. I put my fate in the hands of the divine. Deus ascalet, asculet, ascultat. God listens. Um, Ezio says, Your vows keep you from acting, so you seek another to do what you will not. The monk says, Please understand, I cannot kill. And then you get a mission called Excommunication. Brother Restoro hides near his church. Locate and kill him. For full synchronization, kill Brother Restoro by air assassination. Ezio says, but I can, in response to the I can't kill. Where is Restoro? The monk says, he will be at the church, but guards always accompany him. Ezio says, the Borgia cannot protect him from me. To the south of this location, there is a church located. Um is where the church is located. At its back is a small courtyard in a box shape with no roof to allow the sun to reach its garden. Brother Restoro paces in the garden. Use your crossbow to shoot um, the two rooftop archers down and climb onto the roof of the courtyard's uh, surrounding walls. Ariel assassinate Brother Restoro. 
Another Requiem Scott and Pache. Okay. Now on to the next one. This one's probably one of the more difficult ones. The seventh Templar agent is Gaspar Delacroix, the sniper. Database entry, Gaspar Delacroix. Date of birth, 1466. Profession, sniper. Sean says, I found this in Abstergo's database. Gaspar Delacroix is a master weapons engineer as well as an expert marksman. Although the profession of sniper didn't exist yet in the 16th century, Gaspar was something of a pioneer. His skill with the firearm spared him any close confrontations on the battlefield, and Cesare made use of his skill to take down easy targets at the beginning of a fight. That's the end of the entry. Um, nearby Bartolomeo's fortress, Bartolomeo being Ezio's uh, mercenary captain friend, mm -hmm. that's in the uh, Campania district, uh, there lies a Borgia tower in the middle of a small lake encircled by steep cliffs. Uh, once the Borgia captain has been eliminated and the area of Borgia cleared of all Borgia influence, the Templar agent icon will appear to the left of the bridge uh, leading up to the tower. There is a wall extended from the side cliff uh, with a small doorway in it leading down a path. A man is taking cover behind the wall outside the doorway, yet peering around the corner through it. Ezio walks in front of the doorway to approach the man. The man says, Get down! He's still out there. Ezio asks who. The man says, One of the Borgia's dogs. <laughs> we tried to build a res resistenza. Uh, he came to our house and began firing his arquebus. My poor little Anna. She's... I've got to get back. Ezio says, Just one shooter. Uh... He will be easy to overtake. He cannot be very accurate. Um, as he says that, a warning shot hits the doorway next to him. Both Ezio and the man duck and cover. Ezio says, Merda. Uh, the man says, <laughs> or Merda. <laughs> the man says, he will um, kill us if we stay here. Listen, I will run to the next pillar to draw his fire. Try to flank him. And you get a mission called Firing Line. Gaspar Delacroix is firing indiscriminately from his high vantage point. Kill him. Full synchronization. Kill the target using the hidden blade within 45 seconds. The man dashes in carefully and seeks the next spot to cover behind when suddenly he is shot down dead. Ezio says shakenly, Adesso basta. Uh, enough of this. So before I start on how Ezio takes him out, um, you have the database, in, or you have the, uh, you have the info for the archivist. Yes, sorry. Okay. It's a gun. It's a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the archivist is a, it's a gun. It's a Ottoman, it's a long gun. It's typically held up with a stand. They came out around the 15th century, so really early 1400s. Um, it's known for its hook-like shape, and eventually it is equipped with a trigger, so it's one of the first trigger-firing guns. Um, and after its development, many different versions began appearing throughout Europe and Asia, so it's kind of hard to be like, this is the exact model of it, but the original ones were Ottoman. 
But yeah. Okay. And yeah, they do fire pretty ac- oh, accurately-ish, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, this guy seems to have mastered the accuracy of that. But, like, once you get to the Archivist, that's whenever, like, guns start to look like what we recognize as being, like, a gun, or at least being, like, a... Instead of, like, a hand cannon. Yeah, yeah, instead of... <laughs> that can, like, blow your arm off by accident. Yeah. <laughs> now it's more of a gun-like shape. I was gonna say, why would anyone carry that around with them? <laughs> Just kind of, like... I, I, can't I, I don't know. It's, to me, it's it's mm. almost like the concept of, like, the crossbow of, like, it's a cool idea, but the sheer fact of how long it takes to reload, especially the early crossbows, is, like, mm. why would you want to use this in battle? Like, it's going to take you forever. Like, mm. it's not worth it. Or even, uh, what is it? Because the archivists and, like, later on, like, your muskets, they can only fire one shot, and then you have to spend, like, 20 minutes reloading the damn thing to fire it again, where it's oh, like, yeah. how is this practical? But I mean, like, it's ranged and nothing yeah. similar to it as as powerful as it, like, came out before. I don't know if, like, if you, if it was still new and on the market, I think people would prefer it over <laughs> archery, even though, like, some arrows would cause a lot more damage than, yeah. like, yeah, because, you know, the bullet goes straight through your, or lodges, like, in a small piece and... That hurts, but, you know, with an arrow, you have a shaft stuck in you. And you have to push it out. Yeah, you have to break off the tip and kind of pull it out slowly. Mm-hmm. And they, and they can poison them, so. But, mm-hmm. um, anyways. Well, technically, I think they were using lead in the guns at this point, so, mm-hmm. so it was also poisonous in a way, so. Yeah, None yeah. of these things are good to get inside of your body. We'll just say that. Yeah. No. All right. Um. I guess they had, like, a longer range than most arrows would. And yeah, less yeah. wind resistance. Yeah. So, um... Still, though, I wouldn't want to be standing out there and, like, reloading that damn thing and being, Well, that's like, why he's at a vantage point. <laughs> true, 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 yeah, yeah. He's being smart about it. Yeah. He's, like, standing in the middle of the mm-hmm. field trying to fire. So Ezio runs through the doorway, spotting the sniper, who is now suddenly running on the ground directly in front of him. Um, anyway, pursued the target down the path through another gated wall. The next gate seems uh, slammed shut directly behind the target, and you have to climb over the wall to continue your pursuit down the cliffside path. At the next wall gate, he runs through and sends two Borgia guards back through to stop you. You can dodge their attacks as you skirt around them, or just call some of your recruits in to deal with them. Go through the open gate to continue down the path as you try to keep up with Gaspar. The next gate will close behind him immediately. You notice that the wall with the gate is attra- is attached to another wall parallel to the cliff. So it's like box-shaped. Um, it's like a room without a roof. Um, you go to the side of the wall. Uh, another parallel wall uh, to the cliff on the right side with a pole arm stretching out. So on the side of this, on the side of the cliff and this wall, there is a pole arm. Uh, so you jump off the ledge of the cliff and you swing from the pole and land on a lower roof of an adjacent structure. This uh, small roof terminates in a wall corner where you can climb up and over the wall's battlements. The battlements form a box around Gaspar, making it easy for Ezio to close in on him with the hidden blade, uh, rendering him once 
ending in him ending him once and for all. Another deathbed confessional ensues. Requiescat in pace. Um, the eighth Templar agent is Leo de Russo, the smuggler. Database entry for Leo de Russo. Date of birth, 1476, profession smuggler. This lady must have flown way under the radar. Abstergo seems to have the only data on her readily available. Uh, supplying the Templars with secret contraband, Leah de Russo lied and murdered her way into some of the best deals of the century. It's strange what data was recently created. I wonder what Abstergo is up to. So, I guess Sean doesn't know about their whole planting Abstergo agents into these Templar agents thing going down. On the western side of the Antico district, directly below the Cole Palatino, uh, is a plateaued hill on the right of a recently cleared Borgia Tower. On, its, on it is a man digging a grave. Ezio approaches the man, which startles him a bit when he notices him. The man says, please, don't call the guards. She would have wanted her burial here. Ezio asks him, your wife? And he says, she was to be my wife. Ezio asked what happened. Uh, the man says, in the Colonna, she had a shop. The Borgia moved into the district, and my wife refused to close. They found Monica with two thrown knives in her back. Ezio asks, do you know the killer? Uh, the man says, I heard of a woman who takes contracts for Cesare, located near the antique baths. Ezio says, leave before you are seen here. And the man drops his shovel and leaves. The mission you get is called Red-Handed. Leah de Russo works near the antique baths. Locate and kill her. For full sync, kill your target with the hidden blade. Okay, so summon a horse using Ezio's horse whistle technique. Um, and ride it south among the ruins. I don't know if I mentioned before, but in Assassin's Creed, I think it starts with Ezio. You can pretty much do like a loud whistle and it will bring a horse out like wherever you are. Mm -hmm. In most cases. In, in areas like when you're in certain secret locations, like you're inside of a building, it won't work. Um, any kind of like uh, restricted area, it won't work. But horse anywhere. is like, I'm not going up fucking stairs. What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, anywhere else, like you can seem to summon the horse, which is, it's kind of, it's kind of weird too. It's like, how did you get here? Mm-hmm. Um, Don't ask me questions. I'm yeah. Magical horse. Yeah, What's Gandalf's horse. horse in Lord of the Rings? Shadowfang yes. or something. Yeah. Lord of the Horses. Pretty much. Uh, for Rohan. <laughs> Summon a horse using Ezio's horse whistle and ride it south among the ruins on the south uh, eastern edge of the plateau. There's a broken marble bridge. Gallop your horse at full speed towards the gap in the bridge and jump it to the other side which is built onto another plateau head east among more houses and ruins until the plateau ends then jump to the roof of a nearby building cross the rooftops to make your way over to the ruined baths leah de russo is standing nearby an underground tunnel uh, entrance recovering a knife from her freshest kill when she sees you she'll take off creating another chase sequence you may have to chase her all over the baths to catch up with her, but a well-timed smoke bomb may just do the trick. Ezio, once he's assassinated her, lays her to rest with yet another Requiescat in Pace. 
The ninth and final Templar agent is Donato Mancini, the captain. The database entry for Donato Mancini, uh, like goes his name, then his date of birth, 1473, profession captain. Um, end quote. A veteran soldier under the Borgia, Donato also served in the city guard. The chronicles, the chroniclers at court describe him as a cold, loyal enforcer and an expert writer. I'm not able to get in very far, but Abstergo servers contain a small piece of data about him. One of Cesare's top horsemen, Donato Mancini's skills is only surpassed by his ego. That Cesare sure knows how to pick him. End of database entry. Find a local craftsman standing next to a broken down merchant stand near the Basilica di Massenzio. And I don't believe I gave you that one as an entry, but that's fine. What one? Basilica di Massenzio. No, you did not. Okay, that's fine. It's not important. It's just, it gives you a landmark to know where he's located at. It's a church. I can tell yeah. you that. Basilica. Okay. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I thought church was Iglesia. It's a church. Okay. Anyways, um, Ezio says, this was your stand? The craftsman says, see, everything has been broken. Ezio asks, who did this? The craftsman says, Donato Mancini. I rode against his horse in the races and made the mistake of winning. Uh, you, though. Everyone is talking about you, how you fight against the Borgia's men. Donato has demanded I meet him alone. I fear he intends to kill me. Uh, Ezio asks, where can I find him? The craftsman says, grazie a Dio. He is waiting at the Cir Cerco Massimo, the Circus Maximus. That's where they hold their private races. And the mission you get is called the Ringer. N Donato Mancini races in the Circo Massimo. Locate and kill him. For full sync, kill only Donato Mancini. Okay, so I do believe I gave you the intro, f the uh, entry for uh, Circus Maximus. Yes. Okay. Um, so the Circus Maximus was built during the original Kingdom of Rome. So this is before ancient Rome. So back whenever there were kings, before even you had, uh, what was it, the Republic, and then later on the Empire. Um, it is the largest venue in Rome, at least you know from the historic time. And it was used for a variety of events, mostly but mostly things like chariot racing, religious ceremonies, and plays. Um, parts of the circus still remain today, but like many old Roman structures, many sections were removed and reused elsewhere, while other sections have worn away due to neglect. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of those arenas. It's not uh, oval all the way, but it has like that long extended track, so you can yeah. tell that it was used for like chariot races. I don't okay. know how to describe the shape. It's not like a football field. It's much more narrow. No, horse yeah. horse race stadiums and car, most car, well, like some of the NASCAR arenas have like that, you know, distinct shape. It's pretty much like, yeah. uh, like a U attached to a U. Yeah, except for this one's like blunt on one end. Blunt? Yeah. Let me show you a picture. I'm really bad at describing things. Well, I mean, it's not a perfect oval like you said. It's... A long like strip but it curves at the ends so it's not an oval is that what you mean mm, yes it's only round at the ends on the sides it's flat is that what yeah you're but like one of the ends isn't like 
very round because it kind of ends with like what looks like like a place that you put horses oh, in. Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. So it's it's like it's like someone made a skinny oval, like a hot dog shape, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then cut one end flat. That's what the shape looks like. Okay. And then there were risers that went all the way around the sides. Got it. Well, it don't look like that anymore in this sequence. No, because by, by the time that we're in, in the game, it, it's already gone through. People have picked it apart to use the structure for other things. Because they mm. stopped hosting games there like around like the 500s. So by the okay. 1500s, it's like yeah. defunct basically now it's a public park and you can still go there and there still are pieces left but it's been you know picked apart and stuff so <laughs> just like the coliseum you know it's <laughs> it looks like roman ruins mm. i don't remember it's like in the game i'll have to look at it again but i don't think you see anything resembling like any ruins or anything to tell you that it was like a big deal because <laughs> i put down it's not a big deal well i put down make your way through and or around the Terme di Triano, the Trajan Bass, to the south where the Chirco Massimo is located. It looks less like a horse racing theater or stadium and more like a corral for uh, for horses of moderate size. So it literally just looks moderate like a horse size. pen. Yeah. It, it's not very big and it just looks like a big fenced in horse pen area. I don't know how big Roman horses were. I don't think they're as big as like horses that we're used to seeing though. I think they were a little bit smaller because they weren't like bred to be like the fastest racing. Yeah, horse well, I mean, like we've seen like actual war horses, which are massive. That I don't yeah. think they were that big in oh. ancient Rome. They might have been, but I don't think that they were. <laughs> Puny little horses that they had in ancient Rome versus the big boys we have today. <laughs> Nevertheless, chase uh, Donato down on horseback once he spots you. If you're on the ground, he may try to ride you down, in which case Ezio can cut his horse off at the knees, causing Donato to be thrown from his horse and effectively grounded. Or you can just shoot him with a crossbow while still on horseback. Deathbed sequence, requiescat in pace. And he done. He did. He did. Okay, so ends the part about the Templar targets. Now moving on to the Templar lairs. Because while I was working on the layers of Romulus, I didn't realize that the game threw in two more secret layers. So those fun little times that we had chasing down the targets and the layers of Romulus are about to continue. This Yay. time, <laughs> this time we're in Templar layers. So instead of hunting down uh, keys to a secret armor or you know the letters of Brutus, we're just hunting down their treasure. We're just taking their money from them. So, here goes. Uh, Templar Lairs. Oh, um, I do have some entries to look up for you. So, the first Templar Lair is located at the Mercati di Triano. And you have the Mercati di Triano. So, the Mercati di Triano is Trajan's marketplace. At least, that's what it's called. So, there's a couple different theories, because if you look at the marketplace, you can obviously tell that there's a bunch of, like, portholes like entranceways into like a multi-storied structure so originally it was thought that oh this was clearly like some sort of like outdoor mall this was for like shopping or whatever Mm -hmm. but there's a little bit of debate on whether or not it was actually meant for shopping or if it was like offices of trajan because as a part of that macarte de triano you also have the torre della milizzi 
mm-hmm. which is a, a fortress or fortified tower that's a part of the structure mm-hmm. that was used for like defense and you probably would have had archers or someone up there who could fire down in the event that you were being attacked so there's like debate on whether or not like it's like was this a shopping center mm-hmm. why does it have armed people inside of it or maybe it was just sometimes used like that but yeah it's pretty cool and a lot of that still (laughs) remains and it looks really neat and you can still like go and see it and it's pretty much still almost entirely intact if you want to get a good idea of what ancient Rome looked like because a lot of the other structures like I said have been kind of picked apart and there's little bits of it remaining this marketplace or office whatever um, is still pretty there Yeah, and it looks dope and I was, <laughs> I was just <laughs> laughing at the thought. You said they have like a defended tower or like a tower of defense here in the middle of the market. Like, why is that? And it's like, I guess because it's just kind of like to oversee all the different merchants and everything like that, too. Didn't yeah, I guess it could be. That dude didn't pay his taxes. And it's like, okay, got him. Or it was for the ancient Roman version yeah. of uh, Black Friday. What's <laughs> that mean? You know, like Black Friday, like here, where like, you know, like people like rush to the stores uh-huh. and everything. It was like defense for that. So they'd oh, okay. just be ready, like, be like stand back. Uh, take out your kneecaps. Yeah. How many <laughs> Crowd <So>. control. <laughs> I guess that's that's a rough lesson. <laughs> um, so uh, here's the database entry that Sean put. Um, Marcati di Triano, a fine example of the many enduring landmarks left behind by prolific Roman builders, Emperor Trajan. By prolific Roman builder Emperor Trajan. His Mercati is thought to be the world's oldest shopping mall, and when finally operational, it housed no less than 150 shops and offices. That's what he says. So designed by Trajan's favorite architect, Apollodorus of Damascus, between 107 and 111 CE, it was considered one of the wonders of the ancient world over say a 91 mile long aqueduct providing the whole city clean water no the shopping mall is far more impressive there's a bit of sean snark put into that note i don't know if i gave you any um tasks to find out about apollodorus or not but Mm-mm. okay so maybe for our next one mm, i don't know but we'll come oh. up to him later so at the Mercati di Triano, uh, here is an arced wall. At the Mercati di Triano, there is an arced wall um, with arched alcoves and windows on it. On either side of this wall is a flat wall. On the left, so the wall is a semicircle, and on both of its sides are flat walls. Uh, on the left on the left flat wall there is a wooden door with a red cross on it approach the door and open it and walk through Ezio finds himself in an underground passageway yet again this mission is called shopaholic find the templar strongbox for full sync kill only your target (laughs) Ezio looks up and the camera pans with him as he hears footsteps of the two approaching Borgia guards on the balcony above him. A chaser guard and a regular red beret guard are talking. Um, the chaser guard says, what is it, Capitano? So the red beret is apparently his captain. The captain says, shh, speak softly. 
I'm about to make you rich. And the captain uh, continues. He says, I just purchased a key from a man in the market that opens the Torre de Malizzi. So apparently they knew this thing was there the whole time and couldn't even access it. Um, it must have been really well fortified for them to not just like build a series of ladders and like open it up, but through a window or something, I guess. So he, the chaser guard says to him, how does that make me rich? Uh, the captain says, the man claims there is a treasure in the topmost room. The stairs have partially collapsed. I need your help getting up. The chaser holds up a hand to silence him as he jerks his head as if hearing a noise coming from the tunnel behind them. The chaser says, we are no longer alone. And the captain, speaking falsely to throw off any eavesdroppers, so you will bring the ladder to my wife? The chaser says, yes, of course I will. Captain patting him on the back, you are such a good friend to my family. I owe you a reward for your assistance. The chaser says, I look forward to such a gift, Capitano. They both uh, turn and walk away back up the stairs. Now Ezio can pursue them. The room he has entered is a vaulted semicircle, and he must make his way to the up to the balcony, which is directly over his head. So to do this, climb up the broken archways leading to the opposite side of the broken balcony. From there, there's a suspended wooden platform you can jump to, um, and from here, jump to the flat wall and cling onto a boarded up uh, window frame. And climb your way over the wooded framework on the right-hand side, Ascend to the top, where there will be a platform holding a small treasure chest. Leap back down to the platform and back onto the flat wall. Climb to the upper row of windows. To the left, there is a swing pole that enables you to swing and leap to, uh, to the target balcony. From here, head through the tunnel and up the stairs. As Ezio nears the corner, a cutscene is triggered. He spies around the corner uh, the two Borgia guards standing and talking. The captain says, be ready with the ladder tonight. The chaser says, "What asks him, what about my reward? And then Ezio steps from the shadows, losing the element of surprise, or throwing it all away. Um, the captain points and shouts, Assassino! And he throws a half-eaten apple at Ezio, but it misses him. World's greatest assassin. Like, it's, no. Literally walks out in front of his target. Yeah. Sometimes he's just cocky like that, I guess. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Ezio chases uh, the chaser guard through what appears to be a prison um, or a dungeon I think he chased both of them at this point Ezio chases one of the guards through what appears to be the prison or dungeon with barred doorways along the outer wall the captain has set up his guards at checkpoints which Ezio can easily evade by running through an open doorway on the outer wall just before he reaches them. Chase the guard through the outer chamber and through another open doorway, leading back into the inner hallway. As the guard runs past a boarded up doorway, he kicks a plank propping up the boards and it releases a massive junk pile into the hallway, blocking the floor. And I put in prints, I cleaned my room, mom. Because <laughs> it literally looks like one of those scenes where it's like on a cartoon where they're like, did you clean your room? Like, sure, she opens the closet door and a bunch of shit just falls out. <laughs> Um, that's what this is like. So it slows Ezio down a little bit, but he can easily climb over the junk and continue down the hallway. 
The chaser says, brothers, two arms. He calls out as he runs past the next checkpoint. Um, so he doesn't plan on fighting with them. He just wants them to slow his pursuit. So they fan out, and Ezio dodges them yet again, using the doorway on the left trick again. So stupid. <laughs> so they literally fan out, and they block the uh, hallway, but they block it right behind the doorway where he can just kind of like, okay, like passed right through and I'm like damn why didn't I think of that good to know he's being chased by the three stooges well there's more guards and they're, they're all just as stupid um, he runs through the chamber and finds the upper wall at its end is busted open revealing a passageway with an iron swing bar climb through and jump to and swing from the pole down to the staircase below and run up both flights of stairs, this one and the next one on the left after the corner turn, um, to pursue him through the next wooden hall into another brick wall uh, hallway. On the left side of the hall is a staircase of wooden crates. On the right side is an open hallway with a guard brandishing his sword. Hmm, which one looks easier? Run up the crates and to the upper platform, turn the corner and jump from this platform to another swing bar and resume the hallway floor. Um, the chaser guard says, he's here, help me. The hallway opens up into a wide room about three times the hall width. You can enter it at the second or third floor balcony on the left side of the room, straight ahead uh, is the next guard checkpoint. So turn to the right and hop across the support beams where there is, uh, where the floor gave way, where the floor gave out to the opposite uh, side balcony. And a chain lamp will help you swing around the corner to the left where the floor continues. Run down this balcony to the next stack of crates where you will bypass yet another set of guards jump to a wooden swing pole and vault over them to the floor. Your target makes it down the hall and at the end turns the corner and up another flight of steps which are blocked by two more guards. Yet right in front of them is a wooden ladder leading to a platform right over their stupid heads. <laughs> at the top of the raised platform turn the corner to the left into a hall with a low ceiling the platform leads to the floor level of the next room you see another guard running down the passageway straight ahead which is an obvious trap so turn to the right and jump onto a chain lamp which will not snap under pressure but swing you over to a gaping precipice and fling you through the upper level doorway of a room in which the chaser target is catching his breath or actually not so instead of going through that window, Ezio falls down to the ground floor of the precipice and has to climb some crates and run up the wall to the doorway, uh, or the window. An immediate turn to the left uh, leads him, leads the passage into another doorway that your target just ran through. It opens to a series of interconnected bedrooms slash offices. Turn right and run through the series of doorways into the next hallway, which appears to be a wine cellar of sorts. So run through the cellar, down the steps, and towards a gateway. 
The guard will shut the gate behind him so to get around it, run to the right, and vault over some tables, and crates dodging past another cluster of guards. Once to the wall at the end of this room, go back left into a large stone chamber. Straight ahead is a wooden stall gate, above which there is an open archway. Climb up to the archway, and the screen instructions read, Enter the Market Hall. Once on top of the wooden stall gate, a cutscene triggers. The guard, making sure he's lost Ezio for good, is casting furtive glances about the Great Stone Hall. Suddenly, Ezio drops from a ledge right in front of him. The chaser says, Cazzo, which means fuck in Italian. Um, as Ezio slowly rises from crouching position, the guard says, Stay away from me, assassino, and the guard flees down the hall. The market hall is a large brickwork room, approximately two stories tall, with the shape of a long hall, with the second floor balconies on either side, um, and below them on the lower level there is about four to five individual stalls on either side, so it's got large balconies up top and below just like a series of rooms, and I think on either side of the balconies there's more rooms, so it's just a hall with a bunch of rooms. And there's a bunch of crates and ladders and scaffolding sprinkled about to make it more interesting. The chaser guard, finding no way out, proceeds to run up and down the hall, trying to escape through each room, going all over the place like Scooby and Shaggy in a haunted mansion being chased by a fake ghost. <laughs> so he's just like running in and out of room and like disappearing and then I can just picture like the whole thing where like uh, then suddenly he's chasing Ezio instead of the other way around and they stop break for a minute and Ezio starts chasing him again. <laughs> So avoid the correct, um, await the correct moment when he slips up in order to seize and put him and run him through to obtain the tower key. If you go back to the way you came and face down the hall again, turn right and there will be a barred gateway behind which is a set of stairs. Unlock the gate and head up the steps. Go up the stairs and down the hall to enter the Torre dei Malizzi. The camera focuses on Ezio and then zooms out and all the way up to the tower's full height. As the guard captain mentioned earlier, the staircase is out and Ezio didn't bring a ladder either. But to the leader of the Assassin's Guild, ladders are for pedestrians anyway. In front of Ezio, while standing in the tower doorway, are the first two or ten, or the first ten or so steps of the defunct staircase. Climb up them and onto the first landing, and turn right to hop to the leftover singular stone steps protruding from the wall, that you can hop across like crossbeams and up to the next corner landing. So, take a breath. Climb up the Borgia banner, um, supported by a wooden bar creating a ledge, and grab and pull Ezio along sideways to move to the right and vault towards the next landing. Turn right again and jump to catch the horizontal iron pole and swing from it to a lower crossbeam. Wall run up that beam to a wooden support beam ledge against the wall in the corner and pull yourself to the adjacent beam that runs along the adjacent wall corner from the edge of that beam to uh, jump to a ring suspended above a window and over to a ruined borgia banner to the upper right 
from this wooden post back vault onto a horizontal crossbeam attached to a broken lattice framework panel. Hop across from the support <laughs> beam to the next landing. Wall run up and spring to the right to catch the next landing. There is one still intact with a smaller gap in the floor between. So jump right over to it and run up the wall facing up and latch onto the window frame against the wall. Vault right to an iron swing bar and swing to the next corner where you'll latch onto another framework beam. Vault to another suspended ring, pulling yourself to another banner post where you can back vault to a latticed panel. You can climb up this broken lattice panel like a ladder and it's been busted up on one side so the wooden beams that create like a rib structure through the lattice um, they just kind of stick out from the sides of the lattice where you can pull yourself around from one side of the panel to the flip side and you just continue climbing up the flip side um, around the edge or you round the edge then you climb back up to this side as high as it will go and on the top of it you enter an upper chamber um, through an opening in the floor and in this room there's a ladder on the right side that will take you to the uppermost room if you'll uh, in which you'll find the Templar's treasure which is about 40,000 florins no 4,000 florins I'm sorry it's not that big exit through an opening, uh, exit through an open secret panel in the ceiling, and congrats, we did it, we stole stuff. That's the end of the Tori de Malizzi and the, what was it, the marketplace, the Mercatu Triano. Mm -hmm. That was the first Templar layer. We have one more to go. <laughs> okay, the second Templar layer, uh, the next and final Templar layer entrance is located on the side of the aqua uh, Marcia aqueduct, but when you enter it, you are instantly teleported to a tunnel entrance into the worksite quarry in Tivoli, the database entry for Tivoli. Um, do you want to read off your entrance or your uh, sorry your entry, your data entry first? For Tivoli. Tivoli. Mm -hmm. um, Tivoli is the city that's to the north northeast of the city of Rome. Um, it's was able to keep its independence for the most part, but it's like the nearest, most closest and largest city to the major city of Rome, and Rome was always trying to incorporate it into itself, but it's been around since ancient times as well. Um, and it was also like a location of the residence for quite a few Roman emperors as well. I think Hadrian's house was located out there, which is another location that you can still visit. One of the Roman emperors' houses was out there. Okay, so the database entry Sean has says Tivoli, this ancient town sits nestled on in the Sabine Hills, about 30 kilometers from Rome, offering spectacular views of the stunning Roman Campania. In about 361 BCE, Tivoli, or then referred to as Tiber, allied itself with the Gauls. They remained peaceful for 23 years until the Romans defeated the Gauls and absorbed the village. 
In 90 BCE, the city received official Roman citizenship and became a resort destination for the Roman elite who traveled there for its beauty and superb water. Then in 1461, Pope Pius II built the Roman built the Rocca Pia in an attempt to control the population which often rioted. The fortress stood as a symbol of the omnipotence of the papal temporal power. During the Renaissance, Tivoli had several open-air tavertine mines, excavating stone for the palazzos and courtyards of Rome. It was rumored that an ancient Roman treasure was buried in one, but treasure hunters with their metal detectors beeping forlornly have returned disappointed. So, end of database entry, and Ezio enters by a sliding by sliding down a mine shaft into an alcove with an archway facing a mining site over a natural aquifer uh, or spring. Isn't that kind of how he found Nero's baths too? Just like, stop going down holes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's no hole that he never wanted to go down. That's how you found the weird wolfman last time. Mm -hmm. Stop going down holes. Okay, what are we going to find down this one? Happy Pride Month, Ezio. Yeah. <laughs> the mission says liquid gold. Find the Templar strong box inside the aqueducts. For full sink, avoid killing more than two mine workers. There's a stretch of rock platform located ahead and in the middle of the quarry slash aquifer. To cross the water without getting wet, leap across the wooden posts sticking up out of the water leading to the rock platform. When Ezio steps up onto the upper ledge of the platform, a cutscene is triggered. Ahead of him lies a complex network of woodwork towers and plumbing lines and gutters. There's a large wooden crane lifting uh, up a large square stone in the corner and high up in the background set against the skyline is a tattered wooden rope bridge suspended between two broken aqueducts. So this is going to be fun to cover. All the chasing <laughs> and the climbing. Chase sequence. We should have special chase sequence music just to make it like a little bit yeah. more like epic. Like because get ready for he jumped here and leapt here and sprang onto this thing and climbed over here and yeah yeah I'm, I'm not gonna do the music <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm not joining in I'm sorry so focusing in on the crane there's a disruption coming from behind it on the observation deck the miners are riding against their Borgia foreman slash overseer Borgia Templar same thing they gather in protest on the landing deck under his, and a worker spokesman is saying, How long do you expect us to work with such petty wages? The Borgia foreman replies, in a German accent, of course, there's a German, this is the one German Templar in this game. <laughs> when the aqueduct is restored, we use it to take the treasure out of the quarry. Then oh. you will be paid for your efforts. Oh god, don't do that again. <laughs> I have to do it every time this guy speaks. It's so prominent. You don't understand. I have to do the game justice. It reminds me I'm not of trying to offend German people. I'm sorry, German I'm people. I'm sorry, German people, for the offense. <laughs> We're actually part German. Well, Austrian, but anyway. No excuses. <laughs> so the spokesman says, enough with the same lies. Turning back to his fellow uh, miners, I say we get back what belongs to us. Who's with me? 
And then I think what happens next? Suddenly we hear a gunshot as the spokesman is shot through the chest, blood soaking his tunic as he falls dead on the deck. The camera turns to show the foreman aiming his pistol where the man was standing as the barrel is still smoking. The foreman says, This is what happens to rebels. Let it serve as a warning to the rest of you. Now get back to work. Um, he jumps from he jumps down from his platform, and all the protesters slowly back away and return to their tasks. Returning to Ezio, the instructions say, "Reach first work platform." To the right of where Ezio stands is a gap in the rock platform. Jump the gap and make it to the right and right hand wall of the quarry. There you will find a workman's table with a crate full of ammunition for some reason. Fill up your head. Fill up and head up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Fill up and head up the staircase. Uh, staircase workman's platforms. Chisel descending blocks about waist height topped with some wooden planks. And move alongside the sheer quarry wall uh, and curve inward until you reach a suspended deck platform. The camera will now pan over the quarry uh, wall showing you the climbing path you'll need to move along and the waterways leading up to the tower that are switch activated. So I think instead of showing you the climbing path, it's showing you where the water connects to and showing you what you have to activate. The instruction on the screen now reads, activate the first water wheel. Ezio looks up at a crank turnstile device with two medium-sized metal balls on either side of the horizontal bars. It resembles a later piece of technology used in steam era machines called a centrifugal governor, um, which is like the, if you've seen like steampunk machines, you got the, um, the whirring thing with the huge, well, with the two metal balls that kind of make like a momentum and they spin really fast. That's what this looks like. Ezio must aim his crossbow at the metal ball on the left side and fire at it, causing it to spin the crank release. Uh, spin the crank and release the water wheel gears, dropping the piece of gutter piping down to a lower track and feeding water to a large water uh, mill wheel, which in turn raises a rope lifting up a square stone platform. Ezio jumps from the deck to the crossbeam in front and onto a tall post perch, uh, which he can then pivot to the right and jump onto the suspended rock platform and leap forward and grab the chain lamp to swing from and land on the crossbeam overhanging the alcove through which he entered. Now jump up and latch onto the horizontal wall support beam and shimmy to the right and leap across a beam gap and grab onto the next segment of wall beam. Move down and along. Move down and along and you'll reach the cliff ledge where a miner is chiseling away at the wall. Pull up to standing position and run towards a crossbeam attached to the next rock ledge. On this ledge there's a wooden deck built. Above it a canopy. Stepping on the platform somehow causes a rock slide that shakes the deck and causes a wooden ladder to drop in position for an easy climb up should Ezio have a slip and fall down into the water below. 
From the deck, jump on top of another tall wooden post and then jump down to another cliff ledge with another worker's supply table and a rack with tools and another ammo crate. There's a worker who just sweeps dirt in the same spot, so that's interesting. The camera pans over another gutter plumbing system and leads you to another water tower, which will activate yet another wheel. While this cliff, while on this cliff ledge, turn to the right, and there's a. There are two tall wooden posts, one with a section of gutter chute, and one with a wooden chute support perch. So one has the chute and one has the perch that formerly held a piece of chute before it broke apart. Leap onto the perch as it is nearer, and then jump onto the chute, and jump from the end of that chute to the deck on the opposite wall. The deck, or it's not on the wall, it's just standing there in the middle of the water. The deck has a fence around one side of it, and there's a gap in it. It gaps to overlook the corner under a water tower, where there's another centrifugal crank. Shoot its left nut, I mean a ball, <laughs> and activate the tower chute to drop and feed the gutter piping leading up to the next mechanism on the left under the observation deck. Shoot that crank and it will connect the rest of the plumbing to the mill wheel and it will raise another stone platform. Jump back onto the broken chute and over to the workman's bench previously mentioned and now turn to the right where you will leap onto that stone platform just raised and jump to a swing pole onto a dam wall um, and jump onto a ladder panel. The panel needs to be raised up to the top to help you get up, so you have to climb, you have to move sideways along it over to a protruding deck that looks over and across to the previous water crank. So it kind of leads you back to where you came from, but from another angle. So if you shoot again at it, this time forcing it to go the opposite way, it will knock a chute loose feeding water to another wheel under a canopy beneath the deck, behind the deck. So there's a brake mechanism locking that water wheel into place. So you have to cross backwards over the deck where you can climb onto the canopy roof and propped up against the canopy roof, there's a ladder that leads down to the lower deck where the wheel and the brake is. So you go down there, you release the brake and You release the brake that locks the wheel in place, and this raises the dam gate and the ladder panel. Ezio says, done. I'm sure Leonardo would have been impressed. The screen instructions now say, climb to the pump, climb the pump to the crane area, which I call the foreman's observation deck. So go back up the ladder and on top of the canopy where you can wall run up the tower to a reachable ledge of wood and from there you can climb around the corner to the ladder panel that is now raised and high enough to reach the ledge. Um, from there, from that ledge you can back vault on and grab out onto the gutter track. There's like suspended gutter track kind of leading around like a roller coaster track um, opposite of this panel. So you back vault onto that, you pull
pull yourself onto this track and the ledge of the crane, um, it leads up to the ledge of the crane area. So below the observation deck, it is crowded with workers from the cutscene before, and now another cutscene begins. The foreman says, again, German accent, I have to prepare. What is wrong with you Italians? Frustrated, he turns around to look down to see what's uh, caused the work to cease and spots Ezio. The assassin, protect me. Ezio says, why do you not come down and fight, you coward? The foreman says, he pulls out a bag of money and shakes it around. Twice the sum goes to the man who kills him. And the German, uh, the foreman's guards <laughs> climb down to the deck and, uh, the, and below. And the workers who are now nodding in assent to each other start drawing out their daggers and tools. The foreman says, money makes the world go around, eh, assassin? Um, the screen instructions now read, use the crane to destroy the balcony. Ezio avoids the treacherous workers and runs back from the balcony to a plank sticking out from the cliff ledge, jumps and swings from a chained pot or lamp or whatever, and lands on a platform connecting to the observation tower, connecting the observation tower to the pump tower. So on this platform, from the platform, wall run up um, the wall that is between the two towers and back vault onto a wood beam that's suspended up above and use this beam to help you climb to the upper level of the tower. It's actually the opposite balcony. <clears throat> There's a balcony on uh, either side of the foreman's standing area. So on this side of the observation deck or balcony, this points towards another crank for you to shoot, causing the crane to lift a stone slab platform from the cliff side and suspend it in place. And now the camera shows you that the stone platform gives you access to a deck platform on the other side of the balcony that the overseer is hiding out on. Jump back down the crane area and move to the front of the crane where the stone is being suspended. Climb up the crane's planks to just below the arm and back vaults onto the stone slab. Climb up and leap to the platform where the second crane uh, crank is hiding. Shoot it and release the water uh, to a water wheel below, but it's stuck and there's also a waterless wheel next to it. The camera pans back to the previous crank. Go back and shoot that and now both wheels will activate. This causes the crane to start spinning like a wrecking ball. It grazes past the balcony deck for the first time. Uh, the foreman jumps back, says, Scheiße! And then he says, Ha! You missed! Uh, wait! Stop! And then on its second rotation, it swings that stone back at full momentum, smashes the balcony to pieces, making a pile of wooden rubble. What have you done? I have to get out of here! And then run past the stupefied workers up to the rubble pile and onto the balcony remnants. There is a step up behind leading to a quick lift, which the foreman uses for himself. So you have to use your skills running up a crate stack up and doing a wall run to back vault onto a crossbeam rail uh, that is level with the platform that he's standing on. The foreman, of course, bolts up a wooden staircase to the left 
and you jump from the beam onto the platform and follow him. These stairs lead to an upper deck next to the observation tower. Run straight ahead, leading you down the side along the quarry wall and jump from the ledge at the end of the deck onto the broken aqueduct. Turn left again away from the wall and run up along the broken stones of the upper aqueduct. When you make it to the bridge, you hear the planks crumbling behind the desperate foreman. He graciously reaches the other side, only to pause and aim his pistol at you. So move fast. From the broken arch of the aqueduct, leap of faith towards the other side to land in a haystack on a lower broken ledge. Climb over the railing on the right side of the haystack and back vault onto a cliff ledge. To the right is a path that runs parallel with the aqueduct. There's crossbeams left from a broken structure that you can hop across towards the way you came and climb up the cliff ledge above. Make an immediate U-turn up the railed cliff path, go up a ledge and jump a wall gap to latch on to a higher cliff wall and climb up its wooden support beams onto the top wooden deck. This points you back towards the aqueduct. From its edge, you jump and latch onto its scaffolding, climbing up to the pinnacle where the Templar still stands. As you near him, he starts running further down the aqueduct, and you follow. As the broken stones descend to the lower level, there's a stone shelf sticking out on the right side of the aqueduct as it turns left. The Templar bypassed this shelf by using another construction lift to ascend to another top archway. Ezio must follow this shelf and from where it sticks out, climb over its rail and jump onto a suspended wooden panel and leap down from there onto another plank platform on the side of the branching aqueducts and move along its plank to where there's an archway gap across and there's a protruding beam on the other side. Turn right and leap to another beam, and then swing pole to another plank. This is where the archway crumbled down to this level of elevation, making it so that Ezio can walk from the plank back onto the aqueduct's top, and U-turning, run back towards the other aqueduct branch that the Templar is on. At the top of this branch, there are wooden panels making for cover spots from the Templar's pistol fire and past them there is an actual tightrope bridge connecting the two branches, leading Ezio's closer to his prey. He'll descend the aqueduct further, take another construction lift and leave you behind once again. You'll find another plank on the left where you can jump to a chain pot and swing around to the next plank. This leads to a leaping point where you will leap across to a protruding beam on the opposite side that you can catch yourself on, pull up and find yourself on a stone landing where there's a waterfall. Behind it, climb the aqueduct framework as the Templar's bridge path is crumbling away up above, telling you that he's way too fucking lucky. <laughs> when you reach the top, you're in another cutscene. The Templar is pointing his pistol at Ezio's head point blank. The Templar says, Forget the treasure. I will be granted riches beyond belief when I bring treasure back your head. Clicks pistol but no fire, perhaps wet gunpowder or out of bullets. 
And Ezio replies, Perhaps I will send him yours. And the Templar replies, Nine, nine, nine! And he throws his pistol at Ezio. Screen instructions now read, Eliminate the fleeing captain. As you run down the aqueduct into a cavern, off to the side is a cavern pocket filled with low-level water, making it a melee arena. Kill the captain with any weapons at your disposal. Once he is dead, you will find a pull switch lever built into the stone wall. Pull it and a stone door under a brick archway shifts backwards and then slides to open the next room. Go through it and into the next treasure room. Open all of the chests, including the one with the great big Templar insignia. Once looted, a wooden door to the right of the chest will open and it will lead you down a waterway path that ends in a leap of faith into a hay cart wagon, which rides off into the sunset and back towards Rome. End of mission sequence. Okay, so that was rather a long episode. Uh, I promise you guys the next ones won't be as long. Um, this was just our final coverage of the side missions, this being the Templar ones. And it's important to establish those because we are talking about how Ezio went through and cut off all of Cesare's supply lines. Like from Tivoli, he had a an operation out there was supposed to bring in revenue from working those aqueducts and digging for a treasure out there. He was trying to find a treasure in the um, in the Mercati, and Ezio got to it first. So this is just how he kind of disables his plans. Plus, he took out his agents who are terrorizing the town. All right, so the next episodes will be about the uh, Subject 16 glyph puzzles so uh we'll try to get those done in about three episode segments all right and anything else you want to say tiffany no okay thank you all for listening and just remember if your eagle vision is on the fritz again it's fine healthy even just relax you're just experiencing the leading effect